Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. We're here to, we're, we're here to, we got what, two days before Baldur's Gate, so we're just here basically waiting, right? That's what we're doing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I was not going to pick up that game, and then uh, I saw a few things. Well, I, I talked to, to Matt on the way from helping you move that cabinet and uh i was talking to matt and he's like oh yeah people are saying it's too good and i'm like okay so i looked at the screenshots and i'm like this looks like dragon age origins i'm in so i love that game <laughs> yeah i i did see that um that like basically other developers so not Baldur's gate 3 developers but like other developers were saying that it's essentially unfair to compare any game to Baldur's Gate. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? And they're basically saying that it's too good and therefore it sets too high of a bar for AAA titles. So it just needs to like live on its own and <laughs> like be like, I don't know what, like a quadruple A game? I don't know. <laughs> like they basically are saying like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the budget or if it's the, like amount of devs or the time that was put into it. Because I think they've been it's been in active development for like seven years or something like that. So whatever it is, they're basically saying like no other game can live up to this game. So please don't compare anything we release to this. And I'm like, um, actually, I'm going to do exactly what you don't want me to do, because if one company can release a game to this standard, and again, I haven't played it yet, so I don't even know what that standard is, but if there is a company that can do it, I'm going to say all game companies should do it and they should invest in their staff in the best way possible so that this is what AAA titles look like. I don't understand the the kind of a, a complaints, I guess, coming out of other devs or I guess like really sucks to be other devs to not have the resources they need to make games like Baldur's Gate 3, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think it comes down to that is that um, it has it doesn't have a lot to do with the developers themselves. It's more the publishers that would not support this drawn out, uh, not drawn, drawn out and more negative term, but like a longer development cycle to build exactly the product you want them to build uh, or they yeah. want to build, similar to how the Blizzard used to do it. Uh, yeah. when they would <laughs> not, not to get a blizzard dig in, but like just in the sense of like, they would work on a game and it was done when it was done and they released it when it was done and they didn't, uh, you know, release things uh, without promise features like Warcraft three mm -hmm. reforged or something. Um, <laughs> but I, I just, I, from what I've seen of the trailers, uh, and, and everything, I love the way that they've really, portrayed the the isometric gameplay but also which reminds me a lot of the way dragon age looked with the pause and play and and 
mm-hmm. you know, do some do commands and stuff, but also like the zoomed in approach when there's like cinematics where you you look at it and you would be forgiven if you thought that was a third person action game with the quality of the, so those cinematics and, and how um, zoomed in it is to to the character models, you know. I really like that approach. And I know Diablo 4 did it as well. And it was really impressive with the beta that I played. But uh, I'm just, uh, I'm like, I'm a little worried that it's a giant game and I'm only going to experience a small portion of it. So I'm like, I know we have this for August. There's there's probably not a lot coming out until, until the end of August. And uh, it'll probably be a big focus. And hopefully... Uh, I don't drop it after after a month because I don't I think it's going to take longer than a month to fully, fully enjoy. Yeah. And I know that we've talked about this lately, um, but I mean, I share your <laughs> like concerns. Like, I mean, I've talked before about how excited I am about the next uh, Assassin's Creed. I think Mirage uh, is because it's supposed to be like a quarter of the size of Valhalla. And I'm like, yes. I need a smaller, like back to the roots experience. Like give me something that takes 15 to 20 hours. And I'm glad that these like big, huge open world things exist. And especially in the realm of D&D, right? Because like that's the whole idea is that you like live in this world and you can do whatever you want. And the bigger it is and the more options there are, the more um, like closely it's going to mirror that whole Dungeons and Dragons feel, right? So like I get that this game needs to be huge so that you have the freedom to kind of create your story. I get that. But at the same time, I'm like, oh man, don't have 250 hours to sink into this thing. So yeah, I think that there's, uh, I definitely share your concern, but I am also very excited to experience this game that other game devs say is too good. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like for me, I've kind of come around in a, in a way of like, OK, I might not experience the whole, you know, story uh, in in one sort of like I'm going to play this game and focus on it. Not in one sitting because that would be impossible, but, uh, you know, <laughs> without doing severe damage. But I'm I'm kind of thinking to myself, OK, like if I can remove myself from the idea that I have to complete the story for this, we're not talking about side quests and everything, but like getting through the main path. Um, if I remove myself from that sort of idea, cause that seems to be like, Oh, to complete a game is to finish it. And, and I think really these days, as we get busier and busier, it becomes more about, you know, getting that enjoyment out of the experience rather than finishing it. It's like, let's just have a good time. Let's have fun. And then feel like we've, uh, we've, we've really played this game, you know, booting it up for an hour. That's probably not going to do it. But putting 30 to 40 hours into this game, you might not finish it, but you might be really stoked with the experience that you had. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I've kind of come around of like, okay, if I take that approach, now I'm all of a sudden fine with like, oh, friends of mine, like Jocelyn's playing and she's like, oh, I'm playing. Do you want to jump in and control an NPC for an hour? Absolutely. Jump in the game, pick a random character. You might be a little further in the story. I don't really care about spoilers. Let's experience this game the way your campaign is running. And then maybe, you know, pickpocket the wrong NPC and have the whole town chase us out. And then I'm like, well, <laughs> it's been fun. And now Jocelyn's stuck with a <laughs> a game where a town uh, hates her, uh, her, her party. So, I mean, that sounds like a lot of fun, right? 
<laughs> so basically, you're going to find the fun in Baldur's Gate 3 by ruining my experience. Not Baldur's just your Gate experience, <laughs> but as many folks. Anyone that, that allows you into the game. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I will not pull a Crofton. Uh, he's he's notorious for I think he did that in one of his shared games with Scott and Bo and 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 uh, Scott never <laughs> played with them after that. Uh, and, and he says it was an accident. Maybe it was. I mean, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but but truthfully, like I'm looking forward to, you know, letting everyone know, like I'm playing Baldur's Gate, I have access to it. So if you're playing a session and you you need someone to jump in, like I know of a few games that are going on where they have their core group and they're playing weekly. So if one of those falls through, like if they need, you know, a guest one week, then I can jump in for that session, jump out, have a good time, not worry about like, where's the story at? What's this character doing? As long as you have a general understanding of like the basic mechanics of the game, like I've, I've played enough to understand how the game works, uh, that'll be the real test is is to make sure you, you kind of because it's a complex game. Um, then being able to jump into different folks games and taking over, you know, their characters on the fly uh, is how how their previous games have worked. And I'm, I'm fairly certain that's how this new one's going to work, too. So. I'm looking forward to that approach as well. Not necessarily like terrorizing and ruining people's campaigns. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> I really would like to be invited. That would be great. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to Well, I mean, just everything. I, I think that the game looks really cool. And I'm interested to see how Dungeons and Dragons gets adapted into a video game and, and what exactly, you know, I can do in that universe. Because I'm not a huge fan of like D&D as as a tabletop game um but i think that a video game adaptation might uh kind of direct my experience a little bit more <laughs> and i'm hoping i have a good time basically playing by myself <laughs> i uh only because like i don't know i, I don't think people like playing D&D with me <laughs> i make a lot of like ridiculous decisions that derail things uh yeah i mean i'm i'm in the same boat where you know when i have played dnd i try to get try to just have fun with it and you know sometimes it works sometimes it's like well what are you doing and i think that um video game dungeons and dragons works really well because like for me the story is kind of laid out for you the major beats mm -hmm. are planned um, well, essentially, the the game master is Larian Studios. They've they've set up this, this yeah, game, yeah. and you're to experience it. And I think that that can be a lot of fun. And uh, you can do whatever you want. Like I said, like the specific example of you can pickpocket, you know, NPCs, and they can react in certain ways. There, you know, you can have conversations with folks that lead down to very specific uh, IGN articles. Like there's. <laughs> lots of things you can do in this game and uh i'm i'm looking forward to exploring that and just seeing how how much how much fun we can mm -hmm. we can we can have with this experience yeah it seems like it's it's going to uh, appeal to people to both kinds of people to traditional D, D players as well as players more like myself that maybe could benefit from a little bit of structure mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah i'm uh, i'm looking forward to seeing uh what it's like i, I mean yeah, apparently it's amazing. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other thing I'm really excited about and kind of anticipating actually should be out now. It's it's just after one o'clock on uh, August 1st. So 
uh, the new Hearthstone expansion is coming out. And I don't have tack to use to talk about Hearthstone anymore. So you guys are going to get like my Hearthstone hot takes in here. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, so uh, I'm actually, I'm pretty excited about this expansion because uh, they finally, after like a decade, they finally did an Old War expansion. It's been like the most requested expansion theme since they first started doing expansions. And, you know, they've done two different takes on like Lich King stuff, but never Old War. So now we finally have the Titans expansion and it looks really cool. They've got a lot of like mechanics and stuff that work just the same only different than things that they've introduced in the past so like all of the titans have like they're like clickable on the board and when you click on them a ch like you know how druids have those choose one spells that give you options uh no I, I it's been so long since i played oh come on ryan that is og hearthstone is i tried to okay. pick an example from like og hearthstone so wait so let me let me try to like go back in time in my brain here and, and, and figure this out. So there, so the Druids had like an ability that you could choose. So I thought it was just like, it was just like a healing thing. Wasn't it for Druids? It's been so long since I've actually yeah. paid attention so, to and Druids have cards that have choose one options on them. So like oh, the spell right. wrath, you could do like three damage to something or one damage and draw a card. Mm. Do you remember choices now? Yes. Thank you. Now I remember. Okay choices okay so these titans have basically three choices which are like ultra powerful abilities that you can only use once and then once you've used their abilities then they can attack like a normal minion um and then the order that you use the abilities in makes a difference as well so basically, like the first ability that you use is in its weakest version, but then it powers up the next two and then you use the second one and that powers up the third. So like, for instance, the mage one has an ability to deal five damage. But if you use that last, it deals 20 damage. So it, they're pretty crazy. And it's a really cool like implementation of like player choice and flexibility in a new like ui type interactive way which is really cool and then they've also iterated on the tradable mechanic with this expansion which i know you don't know anything about because tradable is relatively new compared to the last time you played hearthstone <laughs> it's been a while yeah tradable basically meant um you could drag a card with the tradable uh, icon from your hand to your deck and basically like shuffle it back in and draw a card for one mana. Um, so the card itself would have a mana cost and an effect, but if you didn't need that right now, so one example was there was like a minion that uh, would destroy your opponent's weapon. Well, if your opponent doesn't have a weapon, you could draw, um, you could uh, drag the card over on top of your deck and it would shuffle it back in and give you a new card. So there was, again, some flexibility and player choice there. Well, now in the new expansion, they have something called forging, which basically uses the like UI and the effect of tradable. So the kind of dragging a card from your hand over top of your deck. And for two mana, you can forge the card and basically make it into a more powerful version. So you can play the unforged version or spend two mana and get the forged version. So they've kind of like taken existing 
UI mechanics and elements and then implemented them in new and cool ways. So I'm really excited. That's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, I can't even remember the last time I played Hearthstone, but I always appreciate how much uh, effort they put in to add like a new mechanic with every expansion. At least that's my understanding. Like maybe it's like, well, it's a new mechanic once a year or something, but no, every every expansion has its own, um, yeah, its own like keyword or mechanic or, or new way of doing things. Yeah, I think it's really neat that they're able to do that. Which can be daunting if you haven't played since OG Vanilla Hearthstone. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not going back. I mean, even Marvel Snap, like I've been off for <laughs> you know half a year, so the chances of me <laughs> jumping back in, it's like, well, it's too late now. I played pretty uh, seriously for the first month, and that game is is uh, someone else's now. Someone else's uh, time sink. I'm just over here playing coffee golf and that'll that too will go away. That too will go away. So, uh, yeah. It, it, so the, this when is this expansion out? It, it just got detailed. It should right? be out right now. Oh, actually. it's out right now. I thought yeah. they were announcing it as we. Uh, OK, so it's out right now and you can download the patch. Uh, if 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 uh, Jocelyn goes robot, you know. She's downloading the patch right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I very specifically am not opening my <laughs> Battle.net app just so that it doesn't start to download right in the middle of recording. Uh, but yeah, so as far as I know, uh, it was supposed to come out today at one o'clock. So <laughs> cool, cool. So is I mean, obviously, with with tack being done, you're still playing Hearthstone. You're you're more just like looking forward to the expansions and, and playing with the, the new mechanics and stuff. And so have you been you've been obviously keeping up with Hearthstone and it's been something you're still checking in with daily, every other day, that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one thing about the the ending of tack, like it, it wasn't necessarily having anything to do with. And I, I said this on the show. It wasn't that I didn't like Hearthstone anymore. It was that like I just couldn't do the recording anymore. You know, I talked about things that would happen with my maternity leave, things that were happening with my move. Hat ended up getting hired at Blizzard as a community manager so like there were a whole bunch of things that came together that made the show basically just impossible to do. Um, and then, you know, like it, it might come back in a couple of years once I'm done with the baby stuff. <laughs> but, you know, it just um, it was at the point where we just couldn't continue recording. And and yeah, so it has nothing to do with the state of Hearthstone. I think Hearthstone still a super fun game. I'm playing at least Battlegrounds, if not constructed every single day. So, you know, like I'm still very active in Hearthstone, the game. I haven't really played their new mode. So they added a mode called Twist, which is basically like a different set of expansions are available for deck building each. I think it flips over every month. Again, I haven't played it, so <laughs> don't hold me to any of this, guys. But um, yeah, there is like a whole new constructed mode to play now, too. Again, like the team seems to be very much listening to player feedback in a very meaningful way. Cause people have been asking for something like twist for, I feel like five or five or six years now. Um, ever since there were enough expansions to kind of like justify it. And to the point where like wild was getting too wild, like too big. <laughs> Cause you have like in wild, you have literally every expansion that has ever come out in the history of Hearthstone is playable together at once in wild. Um, so you can imagine with three expansions per year, uh, and it's been like 10 years, <laughs> we, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of content over on the wild side. So Twist is this kind of like in-between version where you have some new expansions, some old expansions, but the kind of makeup 
of that mode changes all the time. So um, it, it gives you like, I feel like they have six or seven expansions available at any one time in Twist. So it's like a pared down wild experience that changes quite frequently. So uh, it keeps people interested. So yeah, Hearthstone's in a really, really, really great place. So if you haven't checked it out in a while, there's a lot to do, even if what you like to do is like on the constructed side and not the BG side, because Battlegrounds is getting, I think they get updates every every three months or so. And they just had like the biggest update in the history of the mode where they revamped every single minion type. So like it feels like an entirely new game now. And uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot of fun to be had over on the Hearthstone side of things. Uh, this will probably shock you and others uh, listening, but I never even played Battlegrounds. I never even tried no? it. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's something I do. Maybe I download Hearthstone while I'm waiting for Baldur's Gate to download uh, and and then have that experience i do have i do have a tablet so like that's kind of where i was uh my preferred place to play hearthstone was on the tablet so it might even it might even be downloaded there i'm not well battlegrounds is completely free to play so you literally um... cannot buy anything for battlegrounds other than like skins for your heroes but like in terms of like play you don't have to own any cards you don't have to pay any money for access like you do for arena it's just free okay I'll have to check that out then, because again, like I I think the last thing I remember playing was like it was something that I thought would be interesting. Then everyone said it was really, really, really bad. It was uh, it was the one before mercenaries. That. Yeah, yeah. Mercenaries. Yeah. Mercenaries was terrible. We don't talk about mercenaries. They don't okay. support mercenaries anymore. <laughs> I did not go back after. It was, trying a, it, that. that was. Yeah, no, that button doesn't exist. Oh, they got rid of the button. All right. Well, no, technically the button's still there, but nobody pushes it. <laughs> okay. So like if, if, a, if a button doesn't get pushed, does it really exist? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of pushing buttons, uh, I, I had this like total wave of nostalgia when we saw you guys this weekend because your adorable little daughter started waving a Tamagotchi in my face. And I was like, what year is it? So Ryan, <laughs> tell me about this. <laughs> Look. Everything's back. Everything is back. Furbies are coming back. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, unrelated but uh, to Tamagotchis, but related to Furbies, there was a toy that someone got uh, Abigail for Christmas, and it's this, like, ball of fur. It's called a What the Fluff, and it's a kid's toy. <laughs> and when you turn it on, it basically, like, it just makes these noises, and the whole thing will literally vibrate, and it's eye. it has eyes and arms and legs that kind of like protrude from the fluff like it's just these you know flaps that open up and then like it, you'll see the eyes and stuff it's super duper creepy i've had to like mistakenly oh the batteries are dead because like it'll just i i remember she she was playing with it and she had it in a backpack and she left the backpack upstairs and i was like i'm working from home it's just me and the dog and i walk up through the living room and all of a sudden i hear this like blah, 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 and it's this thing making like just scared the crap out of it. like what is that there was uh there was a big bird do you remember like tickle me elmo yes yeah i remember yeah. well there was like a big bird version and uh my in-laws had it in the basement and it would like it had like a motion sensor or something on it so like you would come down the stairs and all of a sudden you just hear i see you <laughs> 
Oh, no. It was this, this like tickle me big bird thing. <laughs> like, oh man, it was so creepy. <laughs> like the base is totally dark. And I see you. Like, oh my God, big bird, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he, uh, he sees you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, kind of weird. Stories are the worst. Except yeah. Tamagotchis. <laughs> well, I mean, this is, this is just a small little story. So like after, uh, so Abby got a Tamagotchi last year and uh, she was playing with a lot and then they're very fragile. And, and Abigail at the time was four and would, uh, you know, was not very gentle with it. And I think one had a cracked screen and then, you know, we we were like, OK, like, I think I don't think it's time yet. You know, you, you got to take care of it. So this year she wanted again for her birthday uh, or as a end of year gift because she she actually graduated kindergarten. And I said, okay, let's get her one, but like, let's get a case for it. And, you know, she can take care of it. And she's been very good with the Tamagotchi. This is not a story of Abigail failing the Tamagotchi. This is a story of uh, me <laughs> failing the Tamagotchi. <laughs> um, so essentially like we were on vacation last week and, and everything was back to normal this week. I'm back to work. Abigail's at day camp. So she says, Oh, who can take care of my Tamagotchi while I'm at day camp? Because you're not allowed to take them oh, in because they, no. they are distractions. Yes. And this is the longest she's kept the thing alive because they die when you don't pay attention. And that's part of the game. Um, and she says, who can take care of this while I'm, while I'm at work? And it's like, well, Ashley works. She can't really pay attention to it. You know, and for me, I can like, every once in a while check the thing, feed it, make sure it's good to go. So in the morning, I'm like, don't worry. I got it. I'll, t- I'll pay attention to it. <laughs> I play with it, you know, make sure it's all good in the morning while I'm having my coffee and answering my emails. Then I proceed to forget about it for the whole day. No. <laughs> so Abigail gets home from uh, camp. She comes into the kitchen and I'm I'm making dinner and she's like, where's my Tamagotchi? And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, it's here on the counter where I left it. Definitely not 10 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> It's dead. There's just like an angel on it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I turned to Ashley like I killed it. It's dead. And she's like, you didn't pay attention to it. And I'm like, I guess not. I just remembered now. I didn't think they died that fast. I thought you had to ignore them for days. <laughs> I don't know. I-, I feel like this is the arcade Wasn't version. it like beeping at you? <laughs> that- no, it wasn't. I said, I swear I hadn't heard it beep all day. Uh, and, and, you know, moral story, I have it right here with me. And it's totally fine. It's alive for everybody at home. It's alive. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was dead, and, and uh, I I turned to Abigail, who is who is gonna be six in a couple weeks. She I say, ah, you know, Daddy got really busy today at work, and he forgot to feed your Tamagotchi, uh, and or give it medicine and clean up its poop, so it's dead. And she's like, that would... she got she got upset, but not like um, she was upset, like angry at me, not like upset. Yeah. I'm gonna go cry in the corner. Her reaction was uh was totally warranted. So she's kind of like yelling at me and she's like, <laughs> she's like, why did you take care of it? Like, what did you, what did you do today? And I'm like, well, I, I worked. And then she's like, well, did you feed it? And I was like, no, I didn't feed it. And she says, well, you know, they need food to live. And I'm like, yes, I'm aware they need food to live. And, and she's like, how many poops were there? And I'm like, I don't know how many poops were there. Like probably a few. Well, you need to clean up the poop or it dies. And I'm like, I know that now. I know that now. So she was like berating me and Ashley's in the kitchen, just like trying not to laugh. Uh, 
Because, of course, anytime someone laughs, uh, the kids just run with it. It's like, oh, this is funny. Let's go. So, yeah, it was uh, it's just a short story. I, I killed a Tamagotchi. I can't believe you killed your kids. Tamagotchi. <laughs> it's like the simplest video game of ever. There's like three things to do. And I think the thing only has like two or three buttons on it, doesn't it? Like it's three buttons. It's yes. Not rocket science. <laughs> I know. I literally just it's left like it. It's like my first responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> you failed. Yeah. Like she was like, uh, she was, she was berating me, like saying like, you know, like they need food to live. You got to feed it. You feed me. You got to feed the Tamagotchi. And I'm like, yes. No, oh, I know. I'm aware. I I know. So it's here. I'm taking care of it. And uh, we, we, I, I had convinced her. So I, she was calling them jelly bean. And I said like, ah, better names, probably like Tammy, the Tamagotchi. I think Jelly Bean is a great name, by the way. And I didn't realize when I was talking to Abigail on the weekend that you killed Jelly Bean. So that was the reason that it needed a new name. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't kill Jelly Bean. I technically killed uh, Tammy. So uh, <laughs> Tammy won. <laughs> Tam- Tammy, Tammy won. So now it's back to being called Jelly Bean because like I had my chance. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just three buttons. And they're just like I remember them as a kid because you've got like the you know, the options, they're like that old school LCD, not LCD, but mm-hmm. like digital screen. And um, ag- across the top is like, you know, your feed them, play the simple little game. And they definitely make um, knockoffs that are way more uh, involved. One of them that because um, Abigail couldn't choose and, and her birthday's in August. And we said, like, OK, you can pick this one for your end of year gift and you can put another one on on your list, like one of the knockoff ones. And it's it's a unicorn. Uh, it's called a gigapet, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Tamagotchis versus gigapets. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't realize it was. Yeah, a... it was the whole battle of the '90s of the right. electronic pet and which one was better. And everyone was like, "Well, the Tamagotchis are like the name brand, like the mm-hmm. thing." And then it's like, "But gigapets have all the functionality. They might be a knockoff, but they're better." And it was this whole like war. What side were you on, Tamagotchis or Gigapets? <laughs> I didn't realize that. These are these are the things that we worried about as, you know, like seven-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, so she'll have that in August. So like while she's at school, I'll be I'll be maintaining two, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 weird. Like it, it's kind of odd because, like I said, they're the exact same thing they were when when I was a kid. And I remember specifically having a Jurassic Park themed one where you raise like a, a, a baby T-Rex. And uh, that's the one I had. And, and the kids always ask like, well, do you still have it? And I'm like, well, I don't have it. My your grandparents might have it. But if they do, like the battery is probably rotted inside and it's like it's not going to work. <laughs> and they're probably worth hundreds of dollars on eBay. But uh, yeah, it yeah, it was a fun experience uh, to get uh, to basically get in trouble, uh, essentially, because I I I forgot I was taking care of it. I literally left it on the counter. It didn't beep so that you can put it in silent mode, which like for parents at home, um, you can put it in silent mode, which I guess I did. And then promptly like, well, I didn't hear a beep, so I guess I'm good. Um, I have <laughs> muted it for the show. I have it here in case I need to do anything. I did clean up its poop. Like, How many earlier. poops, Ryan? How many poops? Just the one. <laughs> totally normal, I guess, for the Tamagotchi. <laughs> To be around its one poop for a little bit before you clean it up. But for some reason, I, 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 uh, yeah, I don't know. It was so today. The first thing Abigail's going to do when she gets home is like, did you kill my Tamagotchi today? 
we'll have that whole conversation. But uh, no, it's <laughs> it's going to stay alive at least until it's um, <laughs> Ashley's problem tomorrow because she's off. But uh, yeah, Tamagotchi's still a threat. I love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Oh, man, if only I could have uh, recorded just the audio of, of Abigail. Like, she, again, like she wasn't like she was upset, but she was like scolding parent type upset. You know, it was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> weird to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> yeah. Like I felt like uh, like I didn't do my chores or something. It was uh, it was something. It was something. But anyways, it's it's being taken care of. It's all good. That's amazing. Uh, and then, so finally, you've been playing Psychonauts 2 for Game Club. How's that going? Yeah, so uh, Game Club, it's back, and I've played through uh, two milestones of Psychonauts 2. Uh, we have started our conversation for the first milestone. It's in the Discord, so you can jump in whenever. And because it's an open-world-esque game, or it's a, eventually it gets to be open-world, the first milestone was very focused, uh, leading towards that that open world uh, side of things, but uh, the milestones are a little shorter so that to support like more um, exploration. But uh, this is a game that came out, uh, I want to say last year, but it might've been two years ago. Um, And it's one of those games that was, uh, that was actually crowdfunded um, by double fine before they were purchased. I remember this. Yeah. It says it was released uh, August 24th, 2021. So yeah, two years ago. Okay. And it's funny that it was announced in 2015 and then they mm-hmm. had the whole crowdfunding. So it's been a, it's been in development for quite a while. And like because they crowdfunded it at the beginning before being purchased by Microsoft, um, they likely had to like announce it when it was very early days to, to get that funding. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it's kind of weird. Like we talked we just talked about Tamagotchi and talking about things that like existed at a point in time when there was many of them and they've and they've come back. Psychonauts 2 is in a similar vein where it's like it we don't get 3D platformers uh, of that N64 era, you know, that PS2 N64 era where like there was a lot of 3D platformers, various mascots jumping on platforms, jumping on enemies and and, you know, princesses and other castle type stuff like it's very weird to be playing this game and realizing this game came out only a couple years ago. But it's very designed in a way to like, you know, call back to those early 3D platformers. I was going to say, do you know when original Psychonauts came out? And that's funny. Like, I'm guessing you did look it up. I- I'm going to guess um, 2008 because I-, I feel like it was a long wi- while ago. 2005. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> hearkening back to those old platformers like psychonauts <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just it's one of those odd things because like double fine was a studio that tried to make these very large 3d action unique funny experiences and psychonauts was one of those and then they they had one after that was uh called um oh it had jack black and it was like it was like a music based game and it didn't do too well but it was kind of like a like a pikmin style game but it was uh it was like heavy metal focused. Um, anyways, they they made those two games and then they essentially kind of went a little bit bankrupt. You know, they lost mm-hmm. a lot of money on those projects. Uh, they didn't sell well. And then they kind of pivoted to more like adventure games with like Broken Age and, and other smaller experiences. 
And it, and it is kind of weird having played a lot of those smaller experiences and then jumping over to Psychonauts 2 and being like, oh, wow, like it has been, you know, nearly 20 years since this, you know, 15 years since the studio has made like a game of this scope. And you can kind of tell while you're playing it that even with that crowdfunding, Microsoft and there are, I think there are stories out there of talking about how when they were purchased by Microsoft, there was this idea that like we can keep the lights on and make the game we want. Because Microsoft has that approach of like, we'll fund your game, build it, we'll release it when it's ready, unless, you know, it's Redfall, I guess. <laughs> uh, this was before Redfall. But um, so the example would have worked really well. Uh, but yeah, like we're playing this 3D platform. And like, if you ever give it give it a chance, like get around to it, it's on Game Pass. And we are, again, playing it for Game Club. But uh, having played through it, it picks up like directly after... Uh, they had a VR experience called Rhombus of Ruin, and it picks up directly after that. Like, literally, like, I'm assuming that game ends with them in the jet having finished their mission. This game starts with them in that jet having finished their mission. It's it's kind of weird for a game that's been released, you know, five years after that VR experience and then 10 years previous to that uh, uh, from from the, uh, the the Xbox game, Psychonauts. Uh, and yeah, you're saying here, so yeah, Brutal Legend was the one that came out after Psychonauts. So like, yeah, 2009. Yeah, that was the Jack Black uh, rock game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and it's it it's kind of nice to have them back doing these big. I know like there's a whole, you know, uh, documentary about their time making Psychonauts 2. And it's not all good. Like, obviously, making a game is is tough. It's hard. And that documentary like pulls no punches in terms of like how difficult that experience was uh, for their studio. And uh, it's it's been really cool to finally visit this game because I know it's been on my radar for a while. And it's why it makes a perfect game club game because it's like, cool, I'll play this game, break it down into like one week chunks. Our milestones are about two to two and a half hours. And, you know, it. It, it does open up into a more open area world type thing like that you can explore. So like with those smaller milestones, it's it, it offers you more time like, OK, I've finished what I have to do. Now let's go do some side content, some optional missions. And and then, um, you know, I, I have more time to do that because I'm not, you know, mainlining the story. Uh, but there is a recap for the first two games. It, the first time you play it, I didn't get it because like I had booted up the game before, like I'd started a game before. So I'm starting fresh and I and I didn't get that what happened in Psychonauts 1 and Rhombus mm. of Ruin. Uh, so I was a little a little confused. A little lost. <laughs> yeah. But other folks uh, did say it, it it did pop up for them. Um, so there is that. You don't have to worry about having played um, Psychonauts and, and Rhombus of Ruin. And honestly, like it's kind of refreshing to jump into Psychonauts 2 because like they skip all the origin stuff. And they do a really good job of kind of explaining where your character's at, where the world's at, what's going on. It's like when Spider-Man Homecoming came out and we didn't get the Spider-Man origin story again. It was kind of nice, you know, just to jump yeah. right in. Uh, so that worked out really, really well in my mind. Um, but yeah, like the the platforming is really solid. I really enjoy it. And the humor, like other Double Fine games, is really good. So I think it's just a really cool, like laid back comedic experience that we just don't get very often uh and i mean i can't even remember the last i guess the last 3d platform i would have played would have been super mario odyssey in like 2017 mm. 
you know, so it's been a while. Uh, although folks will probably mention Ratchet and Clank, which I guess is technically a platformer, but to me it's more of a, you know, 3D shooter kind of thing because there's a lot of like... There's a lot of other stuff that you do in Ratchet and Clank that isn't just platform and puzzle solving. Exactly. There's a lot of grenades, guns, and yeah. <laughs> bolts. <laughs> Nothing bolts flying everywhere. <laughs> Because we can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they can all glow. It'll be great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of fun. And again, like we've obviously been conversing about Psychonauts 2 in the Discord because it is our game club. So for folks who want to jump in, check out Psychonauts 2. It's on PC, Xbox Game Pass, PlayStation as well. Uh, and we're we're not far in. Like we're, we're, I think like in my mind, I would probably frame it as like we've done two missions like we've done one mission for the first milestone and then there's a second sort of branch of a mission for the for the second milestone so like we're not we're not super far but because of the way the game is sort of chunked up um you can kind of like do these specific um tasks like i don't want to spoil it but like do these specific tasks that you're given that involve like a lot of like uh uh experiencing you know, uh, people's minds, like that's whole part of Psychonauts is, is going mm-hmm. into people's minds and solving, you know, problems, uh, uh, that are, that are impacting folks, uh, folks thoughts and stuff. So, uh, like a lot of the enemies are, uh, sensors. Uh, so like everyone's got sensors and th- you know, they just say no. Uh, and there's like panic attacks and, uh, bad ideas and, um, <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, regrets are another one. Like these are all the enemy names and they're kind of styled in a way of like, you know, the sensors have like a big no button and then the, the regrets are folks like who are, have like weighed down weights or whatever. They're flying enemies. So like they kind of base all their, you know, bad guys around that. And then like all the abilities that your character has, like psychic abilities, like, uh, uh, obviously a double jump. It's a platformer. Uh, obviously. Yeah. And then a floating ability, like you pull a little psychic balloon, I guess. But uh, you also have pyrotechnesis, te- pyrotechnesis, pyro, pyrokinesis. Yeah, there it is, pyrokinesis. <laughs> <laughs> you played this game, uh, <laughs> or I just know words. <laughs> exactly. Well, complex words. Uh, telekinesis. Uh, I got that one mainly thanks to your effort before, and um, yeah, other other different uh, psychic abilities that you unlock along the way. So it's got that staple too, and of course, there's a bunch of stuff to collect. So, like, I really feel like this is a, a really good game club game because, like, you can go in and just play the milestones, do the story. And the story is, like, is really interesting, too. Like, it's it's definitely, like, comedic and lighthearted in a way. But there's there's some stuff that's unfolding that is that has been really interesting to because to, I, I understood Psychonauts as kind of like a silly game, you know, and this one's silly, too. But the story seems to be a little more serious this time around. Um so that's that's been really good. But if you want to explore more of the optional stuff and, and explore the open world and get all those collectibles, the game club supports that as well. So it's uh, it's it's good for both worlds. Like if you oh, I just I have two hours, I want to finish it and then and then we'll we'll explore more in the next milestone. It's a very open game. Uh, and it's not like when we did God of War where we had to um, say like, hey, if you want to explore, do it now before you do the next one because you'll be locked out of like exploration for a few uh, rounds. So yeah, it's been really fun. So I highly encourage everybody to check out Psychonauts 2 and join us for TGI Game Club. 
And if you'd like to join those conversations, head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. And if you like what Ryan and I are putting together here at The Gamers Inn, you can head on over to patreon.com slash The Gamers Inn to support us. Just like Mikey Connected, thank you so much for becoming our August patron. So if you would like your name here, again, you can support us over at patreon.com slash The Gamers Inn. That brings us to the news this week. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV is coming to Xbox, which is exciting. If you're into that kind of thing, I'm still mad at Square Enix, so <laughs> I will not be playing this out of principle. Wait, why are you angry at Square Enix? Oh, I, I'm sure I talked about it on the show. I'm sure. Was it the login process? I couldn't remember if it was. Well, like, so, I mean, kind of. So basically what happened was uh, they had this like surge of interest in Final Fantasy 14. And so they, I guess, like temporarily suspended the free to level 60, I want to say, process. So basically, um, they didn't have any sort of like documentation or anything on their website. So when I created my account, um, they, they gave you like a free month, but then they wanted you to pay after that. So I got my character to like level 20 or something like that. And then within like a week of me creating my account, they brought back in the whole free to 60, but only for new accounts. So they wanted me to pay, even though they had reinstated their free to 60 policy that they had to temporarily suspend because the demand for the game was just so high. I can't even remember. Was it a new expansion launch or no, it wasn't. I feel like there was just some like big major streamers that were like sick of wow that went over to Final mm -hmm. Fantasy 14 a couple of years ago. Um, anyway, so the demand for the game like went through the absolute roof. Um, so anyways, they still had this like free for a month policy, but they had suspended their free to 60 thing. And then it came back right after I made my character and they were like, no, it doesn't apply to you. Your account's not new. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I don't even know if I like Endgame, but you're making me pay anyways because I created an account like six days too early, even though there was nothing on your website saying you were ever bringing that back. So yeah, I got mad at them and deleted my account and I'm not going back. <laughs> okay. Well, not on Xbox either. I, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, I, I put this in the news story because I know folks who uh, are very excited about Final Fantasy 14 and it coming to Xbox um, brings a whole new, you know, uh, platform into the mix and a whole new audience. But for me, the most interesting part, and this was Phil Spencer's exact tweet, was talking about uh, Microsoft or Xbox, in this case, uh, working closely, partnering closely with Square Enix on future games. And mm. that kind of addresses like the elephant of the room of a lot of Square Enix games launching exclusively on the PlayStation console. So obviously I'm reading into the words a little more. It could mean just strictly this game is being made with Xbox for Xbox. Um, it could mean ports of previously exclusive PlayStation games. Uh, I, I think you'll see Final Fantasy 16 launch on Xbox with with this wording. Like, I, I know that mm -hmm. the the idea behind Final Fantasy 16 being exclusive to the PlayStation 5 is is purely like a marketing deal. Like they pay for that. Uh, so what this probably means is Microsoft is now going to pay Sony to or sorry, pay uh, Square Enix to port the game to Xbox. Yeah, I would. That's what I would guess as well. Yeah, that, that'd that be my thought. Like, I don't think this is 
Microsoft giving Square Enix a bunch of money to make an exclusive game. I think this is just strictly like, hey, how about we pay you to to make these games that are already out and have been out for a while, um, bring them over to the Xbox once that deal with Sony uh, has has been exhausted. Yeah, once it's lapsed or the exclusivity deal is over, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think this means we get Final Fantasy Rebirth uh, day and date on Xbox. That's likely a year after that game releases wait, but we could see Final Fantasy Remake arriving soon. Like, I, I think that when you think of the titles that would be no-brainers to bring over and not as much development work, it would be like a standalone single-player experience like Final Fantasy Rem- Final Fantasy VII Remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stuff that they've put the work into recently, right, that has up-to-date code, I think yeah. is is the most likely to come over for sure. Yeah, but this is good news. And it's been, when when did the first one come out? Was it 2020, I think? Um, Gosh, I feel like it might have even been... It might have even been 2019, to be honest. Uh, 2020 seems... I remember sitting in my living room in my old house recording with Bo when we were talking about Final Fantasy VII, so... Yeah, it is 2020. Uh, Yeah. I was like, my office started there in the pandemic, so... (laughs) Yeah, it was spring... It was April 2020. Wow. So it was a month or... Oh, yeah, because that was a big deal because like they they weren't sure if they were going to get all the physical copies... Yeah, to stores because this was literally like two weeks into the into the lockdowns. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks, we're bringing what the- a milestone, what a memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, that's a more recent game, <laughs> so I can definitely see um, the Final Fantasy seven and sixteen coming to Xbox, and then the uh, the second half of Final Fantasy seven remake. Um, but again. Like after all the exclusivity deals are with PlayStation are done, so I mean, again, like we we've been talking about with the Microsoft um, acquisition of Activision Blizzard, like these experiences being available on multiple platforms are only good for consumers, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, especially if you have something that's existing on multiple uh, different consoles. But like. If you can work out a deal, and obviously Square Enix is a third party, so, you know, this isn't like Xbox working out a deal with PlayStation, but um, if you can work out a deal that allows your game to be available on multiple platforms, like, why wouldn't you do that? You're only going to expand your audience and make more money. So from a business sense, like, it makes sense if you're, unless it's like very, very early on in the console cycle and you're trying to sell the hardware, but like, once your hardware is mostly sold then expanding to different platforms makes sense to me. Yeah. And this is something that Phil Spencer has talked about leading up to the hopefully finish of this acquisition with Activision Blizzard is that like they are willing to make deals with companies to bring their games to Xbox. And they've said like, we are not the one stopping Square Enix from uh, bringing Final Fantasy VII Remake and Final Fantasy XVI or even Final Fantasy XIV to the Xbox. Uh, they want to work with developers to bring their games to, to the platform. So I, I think like the fact that they're announcing Final Fantasy 14 is a, is a big deal. And I think they've mm-hmm. finally uh, come to the table with with Xbox. Um, and uh, yeah, like I know they have a really strong relationship with uh, with PlayStation, but um, you know, PlayStation funds those exclusive titles like they they pay money to have that exclusivity. And I and I know that uh, 
that that Xbox is is willing to also you know help out with development, um, but I don't I don't know if they're willing to compete on that level of like purchasing console exclusivity for for Square Enix titles. Like I think I think PlayStation will continue to do that, and and uh, but hopefully hopefully we'll see more Final Fantasy on Xbox soon. Absolutely. Uh, and we got a little bit of news. Uh, apparently that Nintendo is planning on releasing their next gen console. So the follow up to the switch in the second half of 2024. So that to me sounds like holiday 2024. <laughs> yeah, I uh, man, wasn't it great getting the switch in March? Like this felt so weird getting a new console in March. Um mm-hmm. I I much prefer that. And I'm kind of hoping like this second half. You're right. Second half 2024 immediately screams, you know, late fall, early winter. But yeah. summer would be really cool for, for a new uh, a new console. Um, but really, it comes down to the software and, you know, how many of these units can they can they make in time for launch to ensure that there is that they can meet some of the demand without looking bad, you know, because obviously you're not yeah. going to be able to you walk into a store and get these things, but um, they talk about, you know, the, the, the very limited details, but essentially like there are development kits for this unannounced new console are with partner studios. So it's these development kits have left sort of like the inner ring of Nintendo first party developers and has started to go out to like partner studios, like say they're not named in this, in, in this story, but Ubisoft probably, um, mm-hmm other studios like that ea and they they say it's going to have a portable mode so similar to the switch but they are sticking with lcd screens as opposed to oled so likely seeing like a switch switch to oled at some point (laughs) in the future yeah uh, yeah they're doing it to keep costs down and to make manufacturing uh much simpler to uh so that they can make more of these things um but i mean the biggest news here is is the confirmation that it is going to continue with the switch like uh, capabilities of both portable and docked mode. Like that was my biggest concern. Right. Yeah. And I think, well, the thing is, like the switch has sold really, really well. And I think that they finally hit on a console that had I'm going to call it a gimmick, but like a very good functional gimmick, you know, like it wasn't early motion control it wasn't like the the wii u whatever that tablet was you know like it was very much like you know gave you the ability to get a you know typical old school mobile nintendo experience brought up to date like up to current standards but then also have a functioning console that plugged into your tv so i think that like that portability on the switch really hit on something. And I think that they would be very foolish to, you know, like change their trajectory now. Like the Wii U was so bad that like you guys can literally go back and listen to old episodes of the gamers in where I told Nintendo to stop making hardware. Like (laughs) we had multiple episodes where that was my take was stop making hardware, license Mario and Zelda to Xbox and PlayStation and make a gajillion dollars because you're not good at hardware. You play too much with gimmicks. And I think they finally have hit on a console that has a gimmick. Sure. And is unique to Nintendo. Absolutely. But also is super functional and delivering on some things that gamers maybe didn't even know that they wanted. 
Um, so I think it would be really foolish of Nintendo to, sw- to switch <laughs> away from the Switch. Um, I think that uh, a Switch 2 with like more guts is the best way to go. Like just try to do the best that you can to keep up with what the other companies are doing, knowing that your console has added functionality that they don't, right? So like you're never going to get the guts of an Xbox into a Switch but, you know, stay as close as you possibly can. Yeah. And and they have uh, this new story doesn't, you know, touch on backwards compatibility. That's not something that they're able to confirm at this point. But they do say it has a cartridge slot for physical games. So, like, it, it will have a similar functionality to the Switch in that you can buy carts to put in uh, mm-hmm. into the system. So it's not using, like, spinning media or digital only um, but Nintendo has stated in in some of their, you know, investor Q&As that like the Nintendo account, they they feel like they finally got it. Like they finally figured out how to make <laughs> an account that works and tracks your your purchases and your hardware uh, and it's tied to your hardware in a way that that, you know, may not be as good as the other platforms, but at least says like this is Ryan's switch. These are Ryan's games that he's bought. We're all good play the game mm-hmm. no problems it's it's not as great as xbox or playstation but like it works so they're confident in that in that the nintendo account will allow them to bring forward the accounts into the future like they're not going to make another one of those for the the switch successor so in that case it removes like a large problem that came with with uh with backwards compatibility with previous nintendo uh platforms because like none of your digital stuff moved over like i think Mm -hmm. there were ways with the wii u if you bought the virtual console game on the wii it could tell you did and gave you a discount and that was probably like the closest thing that we got um but this like this is still very bare bones story like it's 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 another one of those saying like hey new switch successor coming next year second half i think we're likely um to probably get like like a more official word probably you know once their their fall slash winter slot sort of dissipates because again like they've announced out to you know at least december big first party titles coming mm-hmm. so we're not going to get any official word until those games are out doing well selling and uh and then we likely get something from nintendo but like if this thing's coming out second half of next year we're likely to know about it before the end of this year, if that's going to happen. I think so. I imagine that we'll get a holiday announcement and it'll be like, hey, here's our, our lineup for 2024. And by the way, you know, like this time next year, the Switch 2 or whatever they call it. Because they're yeah. not big fans of 2. They never make a 2 console. So it'll probably be called something different. Yeah, but it probably will keep like if it keep. That's my thing is like if it keeps the portable slash docked functionality this they the switch needs to be in there and they did this with the wii to the wii u where they were like oh yeah that's true yeah it wasn't the wii 2 but very bad example of how not to do it though yeah i was gonna say it better not be the switch U. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i think they should call it the super switch i think that would be um it would you know i kind of like that it tracks with like super mario brothers right yeah. like it's it's part of their branding i i don't hate that i i like it more than adding you for no reason <laughs> or they could go you know the game boy route do the switch advance i mean oh i think there's a there's history there that they could pull from that they have been hesitant to do before 
um, that that could work here. Because again, like if they're keeping that functionality, they have to keep switching the name to a certain degree. And like, I think based on stories we're hearing, they're avoiding, they want to avoid what happened with the Wii to the Wii U as much as possible. Like they are afraid of that happening and they are probably going to by all regards of Nintendo past, play it quite safe here and probably look at like, we got something that works. Let's keep that, not mess it up and, and try it like in all avenues, marketing, you know, hardware games. Like Mm -hmm. let's try to find a way that doesn't alienate our huge, uh, install base to the point where people don't see us as competitors. Cause we are like, we've sold so many yet we're doing our own thing, you know? So I, I, I'm, this news story has me cautiously optimistic that Nintendo is not going to pull a Wii U here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll cross our fingers and we'll let you guys know when we get some more information. And then finally, we got a new Dead by Daylight announcement. Alien is coming. We get more more details this time next week. Uh, but Alien is, again, one of the most um, kind of anticipated, requested crossovers and licenses within dead by daylight uh within the fan base so i'm really excited because uh one of the big things that they've been like experimenting with a little bit um but like people have asked for with alien specifically is um like non-humanoid killers so like things that like scuttle around on all fours and stuff because even when they did like demogorgon Demogorgon had a, a, a like a jump at you mechanic, uh, but he still walked around the map very much like on on two legs and it was very humanoid and everything else. Um, they did come out with this like kind of shadow monster creature called the dredge. Um, but again, it's a very vertical killer. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the alien looks like. And if this like opens things up a little bit more in terms of like how it runs, how it moves everything else. Like I'm, I'm excited. I think it's going to be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a, I, I don't know like a whole lot about the alien franchise, but I think from what I've seen, this trailer nails like the feel, the music, the sound and the look of the alien do a very good job i mean who's who would be surprised like dead by daylight and behavior have really proven themselves with with past um you know licenses that they've that they've adapted so uh, i'm wondering so this was my one question like they obviously in the trailer just showcase the alien as the killer mm-hmm. Did, have they they've sort of separated the idea of doing i think we might have talked about this before but separated the idea of doing like the killer and survivor as a package like they're separated now right uh, so they can be. Uh, they did confirm in the 2023 roadmap in during their anniversary stuff, which was in June, uh, that Chapter 29, which is now confirmed to be Alien, will have a killer and a survivor. So I think that, uh, I mean, Ripley, like, Ripley has to be the survivor, right? Unless they give us the cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Ripley, right? So yeah. I think that's kind of a no-brainer of the, that we will be getting both. Um, but you're right, like they do, um, they haven't married themselves to always having to put out a killer with a survivor. Uh, so like when Ghostface came out, 
he was he was just a killer. Uh, we just got in this past week uh, Nick Nicholas Cage as a survivor. <laughs> Not any of his characters. Literally, the actor Nicholas Cage is now in Dead by Daylight. Um, so yeah, they're not married to, uh, putting out a killer and a survivor both at the same time, but chapter 29 was confirmed in the roadmap to have both. So, uh, yeah, this is, it's very exciting, but the next chapter, chapter 30 will be killer only. Oh, interesting. I mean, like you, you, you do have killers, uh, in, in, in the horror genre that like, you can immediately think of the killer, but it's it's tough to pinpoint like a, a survivor that would work in a way that's like I'm I'm just trying to like like Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I know they're not a license, but like as an example, you know Jason, but like can you name a survivor that would like jump above the rest? That teenager that would, number two, hundred <laughs> percent, exactly the answer that I was expecting. Like no, so essentially, like uh, they already have those characters in Dead by Daylight. They have many of them. Yes, yeah. And 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 like even Ghostface. Like Ghostface is probably a little more uh Sydney. Yeah, of course. Like there is the main character there. So the reason that Ghostface was a killer all by himself was because they didn't actually get the scream license. They got the license from Party City for the mask. No. <laughs> okay. Interesting. That's an interesting yeah. way of going about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so huh. it's like so all of his like backstory and stuff that's in the game. Uh, so he looks just like the killer from Scream, um, but all his backstory in the game is is slightly different. A disgruntled Party City employee. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So they, yeah. So basically, like they couldn't include any of the lore from the Scream franchise, and they couldn't include Sydney as a survivor because the licensing they got was actually for the mask from or the mask and cape, I think. Because technically, um, the Scream franchise doesn't own that. Party City does. So. <laughs> Oh, right. Because it's just a guy in a mask. Essentially. Yeah, it's just a guy in a mask. Yep. <laughs> Weird. Oh, man, that that is like an interesting loophole when you yep. think about it, because like the amount of money they probably gave Party City is a fraction of what New Line would have asked or if New Line yes. is even the still the, the the company. I don't know. But um, yeah, so I, I I mean, I don't play much Dead by Daylight. Sometimes we'll often play for uh, Extra Life. But like. I really enjoy seeing these licensed, uh, you know, these IPs coming over in Dead by Daylight. And I always wonder, like, what's next? Like, Predator is probably one that they could probably do. Like, well, I think like because Alien, Alien and Predator have done a lot of like crossovers and stuff. So I think the addition of the Alien franchise uh, definitely opens up that door, uh, gets people talking anyways. And honestly, like. Yeah, I really like what they do, the work that they do with licensed killers. Um, I think they also do a really good job making their own thing, like their own original characters. They tend to take like existing horror tropes and then turn them into their own their own killers with their own backstories. And I think like as much as we were joking around about, you know, the survivors of like being teenager number two kind of thing, like they do have um, some interesting backstories that they've fleshed out in order to give them their different uh, perks and stuff in the game. So like everything's very thematic and I think really well done. So um, as much as I am excited about the the licensed material, especially around Alien and potentially with like a, a new rig for the killer and how the killer is actually going to move around the map. Um, at the same time, I, I'm also excited for the things that are probably coming this year um, in terms of their original content. So uh, overall, I think um, behavior is still killing it in Dead by Daylight. They've made a lot of uh, changes this year and uh, 
yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what is coming in the future for them. So yeah, Alien coming in August to Dead by Daylight. Very exciting. Very cool. Yeah, and it might be one I pick up for uh, for Extra Life. Oh, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> <laughs> I always pick up one piece of Dead by Daylight DLC uh, every year for to have something new to play around with uh, during Extra Life. So I think last year might have been Resident Evil. Oh, I'm sure it probably was. Yeah. And then so the thing is, too, um, they've done a lot of work with AI as well. So um, now if survivors drop out of the game, instead of just having a disconnect, you actually have a bot that takes over. Oh, so, interesting. Uh, and they work really well. Um, so, yeah, I think they've uh, they've made a lot of quality of life changes. And so, like, we'll be able to, um, like, create custom matches and, and, you know, play with each other and just fill with bots sort of thing if we can't uh, get a full team together. And then you won't have to worry about queuing up <laughs> with me on my account and you on your account. And yeah, it'll be uh, probably a whole lot better. So sweet. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's going to be really fun this year for Extra Life, assuming uh, that I'm around. <laughs> yeah, no, assuming that you're you're able to get your connection working and and that uh, you can step away from other responsibilities for just a little bit to play some video yeah. games. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's everything for this week. Again, if you want to join the conversation, you can head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord, which is also where we are running the game club. So don't forget to get involved in that. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com or you can follow us over on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn, at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye.